Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful Christmas morning. I wanted to take this opportunity to be able to get in the Word a little bit today and talk about the Christmas story and specifically the word Emmanuel. Let's read together this passage in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That beautiful verse and the words of the angel reminding that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this morning, I want to talk about Emmanuel, God with us. John Wesley, the great founder of the Methodist Church, as he was dying, his last words were, the best of all is God is with us, Emmanuel. Even on his deathbed, he's saying these words, Emmanuel, God with us. And this is a beautiful depiction of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christmas actually reminds us of this very gospel. In this, the very simple meaning of Christmas is like the movie Aladdin. Phenomenal cosmic powers, itty bitty living space. I love that thought because you have God who is great, who is big, who has phenomenal cosmic powers, and yet he comes to live with us. He comes to live in the womb as a baby with these phenomenal cosmic powers. He has itty bitty living space. God is with us. Now, these three things I want to talk about in this term, Emmanuel, God with and us. We understand that God came to live with us and we know that Jesus is God. Now, his followers didn't just follow him. They worshiped him as well. Thomas actually kneeled down after he saw the hands and the feet of Jesus and said, my Lord and my God. They worshiped Jesus, not just followed him. Now, somebody might say, sure, didn't different Jewish groups believe that this person was the Messiah or that this person was the Messiah? Well, yeah. They believe that, but aren't there people who believe there's a gentleman even now who lives in Brooklyn who is the Messiah? 
yeah, they do believe that, but they don't worship him as God. They would never do that in Jewish culture. What would lead first century Jews to do that, to worship? Now, we have to think about that for a second, that they're worshiping him, not just declaring him to be Messiah or like a Moses. They would have never done this again. So, so we understand that Jesus is God and the way they saw him was God because they would have never worshiped a person. Not only that, these were people who lived with Jesus. If I wanted to convince someone that I was God, I would not start with my family. I can almost tell you the people who worship Elvis and who go there every year and throw all these things on his grave never really lived with him. You can't fool the people that you live with that you're perfect. You can always get someone else. Maybe TV is a good way to get people to believe you're perfect or YouTube, but don't let them actually live with you. They definitely won't worship you. But here are people, his disciples, who lived with him. Here are the last people on the face of the earth with their worldview as Jews and their understanding of religion to believe that someone was God. What could have possibly led people to believe Jesus was God? The answer is they must have seen a moral glory that went along with these claims. They must have seen some kind of transcendent personal greatness that, believe it or not, matched the claims that this man was making. They must have seen a tenderness and a power combined with truth and love combined together. Now, these disciples were always going around in the Gospels even saying, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Who could this be? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Do you know that the final answer must have been in their hearts? They must have said, what's the only answer that could possibly account for the data? This guy cannot be a great man only because he claims to be God. And therefore, he is who he says he is. Or he's a liar or he's crazy. What possible answer could there be to account for the data given to them by Jesus? Now, a lot of people have always found Christianity to be irritating in its exclusivity, in its demand that you worship Christ and that you see him as the only way to God and you give of all of your allegiance to him. Well, let me tell you, it's Christmas and we all celebrate so eagerly every year. It's Christmas time. That's the cause of a lot of maybe the irritating exclusivity. But look, every other religion says our founder is a great teacher and he's, he has great morals and goodness and, and, and those are enough to reach God. Every other religion says our founder was a great teacher who teaches you how to live. And if you live that way, you'll get to God. Every other religion says morality and goodness are enough. Everybody has a different kind of morality. Every religion has a different set. But they're all saying morality and goodness are enough. So Christianity comes along and says this, no, your situation is so dire that morality and goodness will never be enough. The unique son of God had to come and die for you and me. You have to put all of your hope and rest and trust in him. Now, is that exclusivity? Is that narrow-mindedness? No. It is a radically different diagnosis of your problem. For example, suppose you're sick 
and you'd gone to several other doctors, and every one of them said this, it's not that serious, just rest, have lots of fluids, and you'll be fine. But what if I came along and say I'm a doctor, and I say to you, the other doctors, they're actually wrong. You have a terminal illness, and unless you take this particular medicine, you're not going to make it. How would you respond to me? Would you say, other doctors are wrong and you're right? I don't want you to have anything to do with me because you're arrogant and you're narrow-minded. You wouldn't actually say that. Do you know what you would probably say? You'd say, you're either right or you're wrong, but you're not narrow-minded. I need to find out if you're right. What's actually narrow-minded about saying the other doctors are wrong and you will not be saved unless you take this medicine? What's narrow-minded about that? I may be mistaken or I may be saving your life, but I'm not narrow-minded. I may be crazy or I may be a liar or maybe I'm right. It has nothing to do with narrow-mindedness. Every other religion says teaching, morality, and goodness is enough. Christianity, however, says, no, no, your situation and my situation is too dire. So Jesus is God, God with us. Not only is, he's, is he God, but he's God with us. That's the soft part. That's the beautiful part. This great God with all of us, his majesty, infinitely greater than the universe, has put himself into a form of withness. He's come alongside. He's entered into an intimate, personal relationship with us. He is God with us. This is a powerful understanding that he has the withness, not apart from us, not above us, not below us. He's with us. And that is a beautiful Christmas message. Not only is he God, but he's with, and finally, us. He is God with us. Who does God come to be with? If you look at this context of all the Christmas texts, you'll see the us is always people who've been invited. People who are humble, shepherds. Shepherds are the ones who get the invitations and astrologers, outcasts, people away from society. Why? These are the people who can receive this gift. They're people who come without references, without arguments, people who never ever come and say, you owe me because I've tried really, really hard. Now, for us to understand that God, Jesus is God. He's with, he's alongside, he's come to help, he's entered into our lives. And us, he comes to not just everyone, but to us, those who will receive him humbly. And that can be anyone, but it's us. What are some practical applications for that for this day? Number one, if he's God with us, some of you have to take off the limitations that you've actually made for him in your life. You have to get rid of the cynicism in your life about what God can do in you and what God can do through you and what God can do in this church and what he can do through this church. 
You're not celebrating Christmas and you're not taking it very seriously. And you're singing about it and not practicing it as long as you walk around life, if you're a Christian, with your tail between your legs. Next, Christmas is all about getting near him. It's actually getting with him. Look at what he did to be with you and me. Now, I want you to know what you're doing to be with him. What, what, what are you doing? That's the question. What's keeping you from him? What's keeping you from a sense of his love continually being shed abroad in your heart? How close are you to him? How much do you sense his presence? How much of these things we're talking about are a reality or are they just a kind of head knowledge? What's keeping you from being near him? Is it a habit you don't want to give up? Is it a simple lack of discipline? Are you just too busy? Are you too pressed down by other things or people? You say, well, I wish I had more time for prayer. I wish I had more time for these things. I wish I had more courage. What you mean is it'll cost you, but what could it cost you? Another hour a day, another day of the week, another evening of the week, whatever it costs you, it's absolutely nothing compared to what it cost him to get you. Look at what he has done to get with you. What are you doing to get with him? Claw your way through anything that's keeping you from him. That's the meaning of Christmas. He clawed his way from heaven to earth to get with you and me. Why in the world can't I or you get up 30 minutes earlier? Why in the world can't we make room in our schedule? What will it cost you? Here's the thing. It's nothing compared to what it cost him to be with you. Get with him. I want to encourage you. The withness is so important. I love what one author said. The scripture is the only book that when you read it, the author comes to talk with you. He wants to be with you. Let's take time this year to be with him. There may be some of you who will see that if Jesus Christ is God, then your lukewarm and even tepid response to him is really not a rational one. John Stott in the book Basic Christianity says, anybody who ever met Jesus Christ only ever had three responses to him. They either were terrified and wanted to run away, or they hated him and wanted to kill him and stone him to death, or they worshiped him and got down on their knees and gave him everything. Christmas is about God with us. And knowing that he's with us this day, knowing that he came to earth in his phenomenal cosmic powers to come be with us is enough for us to say, I want to receive and be with you. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and God visits you this day and every day in the future. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you. I ask, Lord, for all of our church, all of those listening, Lord, that they will know you. They will not just read the scripture and move on, but they will read the scripture and receive the invitation and the relationship with the author. Thank you, Father, for being with us. 
for being God with us, for coming to your own people, even when we didn't recognize you, and even when we haven't recognized you, and maybe even this moment when it seems you're unrecognizable, let us, through eyes of faith, trust and believe and watch your spirit come and inhabit the praises of your people. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.